worshiping with you and uh, my name is Zach for those of you who don't know me and um, I love that line that says I'll rise with Christ because he lives Um, I've been thinking throughout this week I was reading in Psalms and it says shout with joy to the Lord all the earth worship the Lord with gladness come before him singing with joy acknowledge that the Lord is good he made us and we are his we're his people the sheep of his pasture Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Come on, will you praise the Lord with me? Yes.
Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for you are our great God of the universe. It is your voice, your, your name that we lift high with all of our last breath, God. I thank you for a, a family that gathers together, Lord, that worships you and just places you at the number one spot of preeminence, God. Thank you. Thank you that you are that God that we can worship. Thank you for our family here, for our band that plays and leads us in worship, God. We're just, uh, we are just so blessed in this place. God, be adored as we continue to worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. 
This morning, as we continue our worship time, we'd like to have a, a baby dedication. You know, we're just so thankful for all that God does and the families in our church. And so this morning, I'd like to invite Alicia and Mike Curry to come up. And they are bringing Charlotte Irene Curry, who was born on January the 18th of 2019, all right? And also, I'd like to ask Mariah to come up, older sister Mariah, all right? Charlotte Irene. You know, at the, come on, all you guys step in the light there. Okay, good, good. I am just, uh, I'm so thrilled. You know, we get to walk alongside people's lives and get to be a part of their journey to God and their journey of their life. And today we get to see, we get to, we get to dedicate little Charlotte Irene to the Lord. And, um, you know, I'm holding in my hand a picture that just means the world to me. I, um, I have this picture. You guys remember that picture? Remember that? Um, Mike and Alicia walked into this church about three years ago, right? And I'll never forget because you, almost four years, okay? So I'll never forget because you had sent an email in asking about what we have for kids because you just love your daughter so much and you wanted her to know God and you were just seeking God. And Courtney Hudson right over here, she, she followed up and I remember Courtney, we were, we, I remember it was on a Friday night. We were, at a, we were all at a gathering someplace outside of church, and she said, I have just talked to this great lady on the phone. Her name's Alicia, and, and they, they drive by the church, and, and they, they go to Dairy Queen every Sunday, but they saw the church name, and they said they're going to start coming to the church, and we started praying for you guys. And you walked in, and then it wasn't long later that, Mike and Alicia come to Jesus and, and just uh, become followers of Christ. And, and, and then, then uh, over here, Mariah becomes a follower of Jesus. And Mariah's going to get baptized at the end of the service. Can we thank God for her, huh? You know? But uh, then they started jumping in and serving. In our, they, they served faithfully in our children's ministry. And, uh, and they came in and they asked me to do their wedding, and I'll never forget. I went up, and we went up to Seven Springs, and this picture means so much to me because in the corner it says, Anchored in Jesus. And it's a picture of me and these three before Irene came along, all right? The picture at your wedding and what God had done in your life. And I, I just keep this up. It's up in my office. I, I can't keep everybody's picture up, but I'll tell you what, that's a keeper. And I'm like, you know what? Anchored in Jesus Christ, 52016. And that's what God did in their lives. Can we just thank God this morning for what he has done? I am, uh, I just want to, we want to take some time and dedicate Charlotte Irene to the Lord. You know, I'm just so thankful this morning. Children are a gift from the Lord. They really are. Um, Proverbs tells us that they are an inheritance from God. And so today God has given you uh, this addition to your family and a wonderful addition to your family is Charlotte this morning. And I'd just like to read a verse to you. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 says, For you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's what God has done. God has knit this little baby that you prayed for in your womb. And knew her name before she would be born. He knew her name before you knew her name. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Before you two could decide on that name, right? And, uh, and, and so that's what God did. And so today we're going to dedicate her. And this is a, a long tradition of what we see in, in the scriptures. That people brought their babies to the, to the temple to dedicate them to the Lord. And what they would do is uh, it didn't mean that they were, doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean uh, that they're going to be the, the best kid in the neighborhood. It means that, they, that these parents were dedicating these parents to the Lord at the same moment because their desire is to raise little Charlotte so that one day little Charlotte will be a follower of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thanking God? Can we just thank God for families like this today? And, and that, you know, children is what makes our church tick. We, are, we love kids. Mariah, you can attest to that, right? We love you, Mariah. You're such a sweet girl. And I remember the first day meeting you and just, just watching you grow up. It's been such a thrill. And watch you raise your family before the Lord. Um, today, I've asked Courtney, our children's ministry director, to come up. She's going to present you with a gift, and we're just so thankful for what's happening here today. Good morning. So this is a, 
a real honor for me. Um, as Pastor Ken said, it's a small world. So we run in the same circles. Before we were church family, we were ballet family because Mariah goes to um, Ballet Academy of Pittsburgh, same as my Avery. And so that was like the first thing I knew we would connect because you just got to know being a ballet mom. So, so anyways, um, and as we became friends and um, they were here faithfully each week, you know, I, I said, hey, wouldn't you love to just jump in with the with Canopy Kids? I could, I could really use some people down there. And they've been serving down there now um, faithfully in the first and second grade classroom, second hour. And um, so they know probably more than than most what this bag of marbles means so basically this is the legacy marbles and um, they're approximately 936 weeks from when charlotte arrived to when charlotte graduates high school and so it's not meant to be a downer it's meant to be a visible uh, representation of the time and time matters, and time especially matters here at church. We make every marble count downstairs, and these two know that because they are making every marble count with their first and second graders. And we just are promising that we are going to love on these kids. We love on Mariah. We're going to love on Charlotte just the same. And um, it's just really an honor to have you guys here, and I'm going to give you this because your hands are full. And so there's a lot of really neat things that are going to happen from this little age all the way up and special moments that you can, you know, as it's in a jar and you'll start to see that jar kind of go down. But what's really cool is we have those weeks here that we're going to make that time so important for Charlotte. And then the goal and the hope for us in Canopy Kids is one day it's going to be awesome to see her get baptized just like her big sister's going to today. So that's super cool. So we're just praising God for that. And we're just, we love you guys. Stay. Stay. Behind her, right? Just lay your hands on her. And I'm just going to pray over Charlotte now. And let's, uh, what, what a beautiful picture here this morning. This is what God does, folks. You know, I'm so thankful for grandmas here and uh, your families here. Can we just thank God for their family here to support grandma and aunts, all right? Let me just pray over little Charlotte here this morning. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for this gift from God, Lord. Charlotte is a gift to this family, Lord. You, are, you have given this family children as the inheritance of the Lord. God, I pray over Michael and Alicia, Lord. I just pray that you will put your hand upon them as they seek to be parents who love and honor you, Lord. And Lord, they're doing a wonderful job with Mariah. And now, Lord, as they continue with... Uh, with Charlotte Irene, Lord, we just lift her up to you, and I just ask, God, that you will uh, allow them to have a home that puts Jesus at the center, and uh, and that, the, that little Charlotte will one day, in just a few short years, she'll start her own relationship with you, Lord, and in just a few short years, when she becomes able to to know who you are, Lord, that you'll just you'll just step right into her life. And that she will become a follower of Christ. So, God, we dedicate this family to you. Thank you for Mariah. Thank you for Alicia. Thank you for Mike. And we thank you this morning for little Irene, Lord. We just dedicate her in your mighty presence because this is what you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate together? No better way to kick off a Sunday morning, people. What do you think? You guys excited about what's got? Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. Hey, guys, would you just say hello to those around you? Whether you sit up, stand down, doesn't matter. Just say hello and just tell everybody they look good. So uh, I just want to 
to start off by saying last weekend, Pastor Ken had shared about who's your one, and you'll hear him mention that today. But I just want to share what has been so exciting for me is to hear and see the stories that are already coming up from last weekend. And, I'm, and so the who's your one thing that we're doing here is, 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 a, is really just something so simple as praying for people that don't know Jesus in our lives. And so as you leave, you'll get a bookmark and, and it's just a reminder to pray for this person. And, um, and you can also submit anonymously online these names of the people that you are praying for. And I'm seeing these, lame, these names come in like four or five a day, six a day coming through. And it's, I'm sitting there going, man, people, we're praying for Joe in, in Pittsburgh. We're praying for, for, for uh, Samantha in Bethel Park. We're praying for Bill and Denora. We're praying for all these people that are coming in. I'm seeing the cities, and I'm like blown away at our church. Guys, God is doing a powerful thing here, and it is exciting. I'm so excited about how God's going to call people to himself, not because of human hands producing human results, because there's something supernatural happening. The power of God is at work in our city. Amen. And we believe that. And I'm excited to see how God's going to use us because he's already been doing it. We're just jumping in, doing his work. So I'm super excited about that. But I'm, guys, I'm just glad we're here and I'm glad to share the space with you. If you pass the folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. If you're new, we're glad that you're here. We're glad you're checking things out and just that we can just count it a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, as you leave, please talk to the Welcome Center. They have something for you to give you. Uh, it's free. And just to, to hear your story, even if you don't, even if you don't say that you know you're new and you don't say hi to the Welcome Center, it doesn't matter. We're just super glad that you're here. If you have any questions, just let us know. But guys, we're excited. We're in a new series called "I Am Jesus in His Own Words," and we're walking through all the "I Am" statements of Jesus. And and I'm I'm I've just been humbled at the last weekend and what God's already been doing in this series. So I'm super excited about that. One thing too, I want to highlight is we have our next steps meeting today right after the second service in the gym. This is for anybody looking to take the next step. So what this means is if I'm sitting here and I've been here for two weeks and I'm going, man, I'd love to know more about the children's ministry. I want to take that next step. This is for you. If you've got students and want to know more about a student ministry and I want to hear more about it, I want to get them involved, that's the next step. Or some of you, you're like, I've been here for a while and I want to become a member. I want to make this church my home. That's your next step. What, how do we volunteer? What is the, what are, what's the, the doctrine, theology of Crossroads Ministries? All those questions, taking your next step. That's what this meeting is for. It's not just for membership. It's for anybody looking to take their next step. And so um, it is in the sec, it's after the second service today in the gym, and there's free childcare and free lunch, and we're really excited about what God's going to do. We also have a whole list of upcoming Save the Dates in your bulletin, so make sure you grab those and mark all those down in your calendar and your phone all that stuff, but I want to have Pastor Eric come and share about March Madness. I'm super excited about this event. Somebody was. Yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. You can clap for that, Hunter, anytime you want to, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this Friday, uh, the madness begins. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about what this weekend is going to look like, and I'm really excited about sleeping on Saturday after it's all done. Um, but, uh, but truly, th- there's been a lot of work. There's been a lot of prayer, a lot of planning, uh, and, and a lot of people have come forward and said, I want to help out. Um, someone said, I'll help out as long as you don't make me stay up all night. I said, that's fine. So we, uh, so that, that's great. If you still want to, to, to find out how you can be a part of, of this event this Friday, uh, talk to me. Um, we, we definitely have opportunities for you to help in and, and just to be a part of this, uh, this exciting thing. We believe that God is going to pour himself out this weekend. Uh, we're believing that he is going to bring students into this building that need a fresh touch from him, that need to know how much he loves them, that need to experience a breakthrough that only God can do. And so whether you invite someone, there's there's flyers in your bulletin, uh, give that away. If, even if you don't know the kid, be like, are you seventh grade or older? Yeah, go to this thing. You know, whatever it might be, um, just, just give those away. But the thing that I can never overstate is please, please pray. Because if God is is not in it, it's not worth doing. And we want him to show up. We want him to move. And we believe that prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. And so my request to you is that you pray and you believe that God's going to do something amazing. Because we're going to have fun. I mean, we've got, got, just to to give you a little hint, we're doing a dunk competition in here. Um, Yeah. 
yeah, uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. And so, uh, but be praying for God to do something exciting because I believe that He is going to change lives this weekend at March Madness. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and ask the ushers to come forward as we get ready to receive the tithes and offerings. But I just want to give a personal uh, thank you to those who give. Um, now, if this is your first time uh, being with us, feel free to let those. Uh, let the offering containers go past you. But if you call Crossroads home, this is this is for you. But but your generosity is what allows us to reach out farther into our community and to shed the love and light of Jesus in places that so desperately need it. It allows us to do events like March Madness so that students can have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So as the pastor of Student Ministries, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving because the church is different The body of Christ is different because of you. And I thank you for that. Let's pray together. God, I just, I'm so humbled that you love me. I'm so humbled that that you have chosen to use me, God, that, that I know that it is not because of anything good that I am, but it's all because of who you are. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful to know that it is not how big my faith is, but it is who my faith is in that makes it strong. And I pray, God, that you would just help all of us in this room, no matter what our situation might be, help us to focus on you, the one who has overcome the world. And as we give out of obedience, Lord, I pray that you would, you would help us to give with, with generosity, with, with, uh, with gratitude, God, knowing that you're going to use it. I pray that you use this to expand our faith, to build your kingdom, God, because the world needs you so desperately. And we just thank you that we are playing a part in your movement in this time, in this place. We praise you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Thank our God. What a great day we've had so far, man. God is just so good. We're in a series, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. You know, everybody kind of has an idea of who Jesus is. And Jesus asked the most important question, who do men say that I am? And uh, what is kind of wild is that he revealed himself to us. He, he has said seven of these statements, I am. We looked last week, I am the bread of life. We talked about about bread and how it's so essential, and you know, it's, it's he's saying that I, you know, I am everything, and uh, you got to start with me, you got to end with me, and so today we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about about how the, he says he's the light of the world, and as as we do, I want you to think about this. Uh, there, there's a popular game. Uh, I don't know if it's as popular as it used to be, but about two years ago, there was a game that everybody was putting on their phone. It was called Pokemon Go. Have ever played Pokemon Go? Raise your hand if you did that. Okay, a few of you. And uh, it was kind of a wild craze. I'll never forget. I was out in South Park just walking and doing my walk down there. And it was like, you know, towards the evening. And I saw like 10, 12 people on that circle out there in the middle of, uh, of South Park. You know, it's uh, the road comes and goes around. There was like 10 or 12 people. And they're out there. They're playing Pokemon Go. And they're just like losing their minds out there. And I'm, I'm just kind of laughing as I'm doing my stroll in the park at 830 at night. You know, and just kind of enjoying the evening. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the whole thing about Pokemon, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it was a game that you played on your phone. And as you look through the lens of your phone, you could see where you are through the lens of your phone. So you would see other uh, monsters and things like that that weren't really there, but they were monsters, and you could fight them, you could kill them, and, 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 and people would get, just get so consumed with it. And as they would get consumed with it, they would wander into other people's yards, 
Some people would uh, wander out into traffic, okay? I read about this, people wandered into traffic. Traffic, I read about it. even one guy fell off of a hillside because he was, want, you know, into this reality. And what it was was he was into a different reality. He was into an altered state of reality. And so he's bumping around, he's just trying to find his way, and he's, doing his, he's, doing, he's going about his way. In the meantime, it's not what's really real, but it looks so real. And he became engulfed into it, he became into the reality of that game. And as I was thinking about this this morning, for this, the, as I'm studying, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know, most people, and we all at one point were walking in darkness. And it's an altered state of reality. Listen, God is God's saying to us in this verse, I am the light of the world. He wants to turn the light on for you. And when the lights are off, you are walking in an altered state of reality. You're walking in and you think what you think is good isn't even good when you're in darkness. I mean, when you're in darkness and you're stumbling and you're bumping around into things that, that you may think are really good in the dark, they're really not good when you turn the lights on. And when the light is on, it just it shows you what's good and what, 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 where you need to go. I mean, you, you go out of here at night and you, you drive without your lights on, you, you'll know about it because you'll find that state of reality as you, as you go out in the dark with a car. And so it, this is what people are like in our world. And so as we look at this, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's a, that's a pretty powerful statement. He's revealing to you that he is going to turn the light on to your path. And, and when the lights are on, it changes everything. You know, light dispels the darkness. And so darkness is the absence of light. And so whenever we see this, that Jesus, when he says, I am the light of the world, it's a pretty powerful statement. And we all sit there and we say, well, that's, that is kind of cool. But what does it really mean? I want you to look at the backstory this morning. Because I want to ask you this question, do you know where you're going? I mean, do you, not just where you're going when you die, but do you know where you're going in your life today? Because when we're stumbling around in the dark, we don't really know where we're going. We're just kind of stumbling around. And, you know, when God says, I'm going to, I'm going to be the light, I'm the light of the world, his word says that his word is a lamp into our path. I mean, that light changes everything and illuminates and gives you direction, gives you purpose, gives you meaning. And it's like, wow, this is all wrapped up in this statement, I am the light of the world. But as you read verse 12, there are 11 verses that lead up to verse 12. In John chapter 8, verse 1, I'm going to begin there this morning. Um, but I want, before, before we go there, I want to give you the first point in your notes is this, is that the law reveals our guilt. We're going to see a couple things in this passage this morning. Before we get to the light, we're going to see about the law. And so the law, God's law in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, and all the law of the Old Testament, you're going to see what the purpose was for. It was there to reveal our guilt. And I know that that's, uh, that's something we don't like to consider, but let's look at what happened in this passage. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came to the temple all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Uh, th- this was a common thing. Jesus was, uh, he was starting a new movement. And people were followers of Jesus. After Jesus had, uh, uh, you know, in, in the book of Acts, we see that there was a movement called the way. They were followers of the way. There was a new movement. You, you had this Old Testament law, the law of Moses that people had studied, and the scribes and Pharisees studied the law of Moses. They were diligent at it, and they knew the letter of the law. But Jesus was coming on the scene, and Jesus is God. Jesus comes from the Father. That's why he could say, I am. He connected to I am in the Old Testament. He connected to I am at the burning bush. So when he says, I am the light of the world, he's coming back with that I am. And he's, he's pointing back to I am. And, and so as, as he comes in, this was a new movement, and Jesus is teaching at the temple. And so what happens is there was tension because Jesus wasn't an elected teacher. He wasn't uh, on the Sunday school list. He wasn't on the staff page. And so he walks in, and he's sitting in the foyer. He's actually in what was known as the court of women. And if you go and you study the, the temple, there were different areas. Uh, and later on in the passage, it says he was in, uh, near the treasury. So the treasury was in the court of women. Pretty powerful area. So there's a lot of people there, and he's teaching. And so these people are just gathering around him. And so there's this tension between the scribes and the Pharisees because he's not on staff. He's not on our website, right? Uh, The scribe and the Pharisees, verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now, in the law, 
Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say that we do? You see, in the Old Testament, in, in the law of Moses, God had given a law, and, uh, you know, there, there were the Ten Commandments, and one of them was not to not commit adultery. So as, as these people were coming along, it, there, was a, there was a penalty. So it, it was admissible under the law that if somebody was to, uh, to disobey that law, to commit adultery, that they could be stoned. And not, recre- not recreationally speaking, folks, all right? I'm talking stone, like with a stone, all right? To be, to be killed, all right? So these people would pick up stones, and, and they would literally take boulders, and, and these Pharisees could come along, and the scribes, and, and the people could take and just murder this person and just kill this person because they offended the law, and the law here said that thou shalt not commit adultery. Wow, that's pretty powerful. So Jesus is put in this really tough spot. And and this woman, and I want you to catch this because it said that early in the morning Jesus was teaching. And as he's teaching, they brought him in, this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I'm thinking, what is up with these Pharisees? They're able to find a little early morning rendezvous going on out there. You know what I mean? They were really sticklers because they found this out. And they dragged this woman in. And did you ever notice they didn't drag, drag the man in. I'm like, what's up with that? It takes two to tango, right? It, it, was, you know, it wasn't that this woman was so evil and the man wasn't. Here's a married man cheating on his wife with this lady, and, uh, and this lady, she has to take the brunt of it. So what's up with the Pharisees just dragging her on in? And it's like this big inconsistency. So you already see that, hey, you know, these people, the, the Pharisees, you see how they operated. They didn't even drag the man in, but the man was equally as bad as, as the woman here. And so they drag this woman in. I want you to catch it because she's, they caught her in the act. So she probably doesn't have any clothes on. Maybe she just has like a sheet wrapped around her. And, and, and it's like she grabs a sheet as she's running out the door as they're dragging her out. And, uh, and they throw her in the midst. And here's Jesus. He's been teaching. And as he's teaching, these people are sitting here and, and he's giving them good news about who he is. He's trying to trying to reveal to them who he is. And so God, Jesus is about to reveal one of the greatest truths about who he is, but the Pharisees are ready to put him in a spot. Because if he said, yes, stone her, man, well, what about your message of love? What about your new revolutionary message of grace? What, 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 what about all that? And so if you said stone her, that put him in a hard spot. And if he said, just let her go, just this one time, that puts him in an even harder spot because he would say that the law is no longer valid. He would say that the law is no good. And so Jesus was the only one who could speak to this. Jesus comes and he stands before the group. He stands up before them and, uh, and he's going to give them a reply. But in this, he says the law, the, I want you to understand that the law showed us our guilt. And I want you to understand that today we are still guilty and that's the purpose of the law. The Ten Commandments are there to show us our guilt. And I, I just, you know, everybody's broken the Ten Commandments. And, and I'll just, just try this this morning. You know, it, you, know, you know, we know the Ten Commandments says that you're not supposed to lie. Has anybody ever told a lie? Raise your hand. All right, now keep them up. All right, I want you to look around. Anybody who doesn't have their hand up and say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay? All right, everybody's broken the law. You know, we, 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 we have done that. Um, how about this? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? That's stealing, right? Maybe you were a child, you took something that didn't belong to you. Maybe uh, you were in college and you plagiarized. You know, you took something that didn't belong to you, intellectual property. Maybe, you know, I love that. You know, oh, I have a code. I can open up every software under the sun. I, oh, I'm sorry. I used to do that, right? And, uh, and so it's like, wow, we've all stolen uh, how about taking God's name in vain? Wow, God says that's blasphemy. How about adulterers? I mean, Jesus said that we're not to commit adultery. You know, in the Ten Commandments, it says not to commit adultery. But Jesus said, I tell you, if you look upon a woman in lust, then you have committed adultery. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand on that one because it makes us incredibly uncomfortable, right? But the truth is, we've all broken these laws. And you know what God says about that? That makes us liars. That makes us blasphemers. That makes us thieves. That makes us 
adulterers. And it's like, whoa, that's not how I think of myself. Listen, folks, in the sight of a holy God, we are not good. We are not good enough. I mean, yes, there are good things about you, but look at what God says in the light of his holy law. So we have fallen short. All have fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous. No, not one. And so here is this woman. She is being thrown in here, and the law of Moses is at stake. And here's what is happening. She was just living life, and she was wandering in the darkness. And she thought what she was doing was good. I think that I would say this this morning that C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, he said this. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. We are far too easily pleased. And that's so powerful because that really, really helps me because here's, here's what God has to offer. And man, I settle for lower stuff. All the time I come down and I settle for these things that are just lower and, and, and things that are, are, are just not going to fulfill and produce in my life. So, so this morning, I, I, as we continue, I want to show you here that the law reveals guilt. And we all have our guilt. We all have guilt because we have offended a holy God, just like this lady did. But the love reveals God's grace. The love reveals God's grace. That's our second fill in the blank this morning. And I want you to look at that and just just understand that, that the love will reveal God's grace. God's grace is so powerful. And we see it displayed here. Verse 6, they said to him, they said, they said this to test him. Uh, why were they doing this? They wanted to put Jesus in, in, a, in that tension moment. And when Jesus is in tension, he always wins. It's amazing. Uh, he, he never falls prey to it. He doesn't lose his temper. He, 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 he deals with it. And so look what he does. They said this to test him that, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger in the ground. So here's this lady. She's barely clothed, got a, got a sheet around her. She has been accused and she is guilty as charged. And Jesus is just writing in the dust and he's just bent down. And I could just see him. He's just kind of passing the time. Now, this is what we all want to know. What was he writing in the dust? And, I mean, it just blows our mind. I'm going to give you a theological answer. We don't know. So that's, that's a deep theological answer. We don't know what he was writing, okay? But I'll tell you this. The, the way that it's written uh, gives us a little bit of clue. It says that he was writing down. And when it was saying that he was writing down, it, it, the, there's, a, there's a Greek word. And the Greek word means this. It means to write down like a record, like a record against and so some scholars have thought this, that he, because he's God, he was writing down the sins of the people in the crowd. Could you just see that? Okay, this woman committed adultery, comes over and he writes, cheating on your income tax. <coughs> Lying, stealing. And he's writing these things down. And all of a sudden, that you can just feel the tension mounting. Verse 7 and 8, he says this. He says, as they continued to ask him, he stood up. So this, they didn't ask him once. They kept badgering him. What are you going to do now, Jesus? You going to stone her? Do you want to take the first stone? What are you going to do? Who's gonna, what, what should we do? You, you've been talking about love. But Moses said, stoner, what, what are you going to do now? And so Jesus is in this moment of tension, and he stands up and he says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let him who is without sin, if you don't have any sin, be the first to throw it at her. And then he goes back down and keeps writing likely writing the sins of the people in the crowd. And so as he's standing there, this woman has guilt, and these people in the crowd have guilt. In verse 9, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. One by one they left, and beginning with the older ones. Why did he start going away with the older ones? Why, Why did the older ones start leaving first? Did you catch that? I wonder if the older guys were wise. And they said, oh, we're catching on here. Uh, I got more sin than the young guys. I better get out of here quick. They, this is getting thick, all right? And so they, he, 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 he brings it down, and the old guys leave, then the young guys leave, and it's just Jesus. And Jesus is standing there, and we're about to see the grace displayed. So the grace is displayed, and here it is. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Scripture, verses 10, 11. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they now? 
Has no one here to condemn you? Has no one condemned you? And Jesus said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, now this, this is the moment of grace because this woman is expecting this new teacher that arrived on the scene to like, like lay it on her. You know you shouldn't. She already knew she shouldn't. And, she, and Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. That is grace, folks. She deserved to be stoned. She deserved to live in guilt the rest of her life. She deserved to be walking in darkness like you and I deserve to be walking in darkness. We have this mounting upon us. We, we, we deserve these things. And the moment of grace is when God says, I don't condemn you. You've come in here this morning. You're bearing a burden. There's something you've been walking in darkness, and you know it. Man, I don't have to tell you. You know it. It's been mounting on you. I want to tell you this morning that there's no one here to condemn you, and neither is Jesus. Can we thank God for his grace this morning? What an awesome God that we have. Listen, God does not condemn you. Now, this is what is so powerful. He comes in here, and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The way it's written in Greek is like this. Go now. And what he's saying is, go now and no longer walk in darkness. And you say, well, you know what? Didn't he say don't sin no more? Yes, what he's saying is don't walk in darkness. He's not saying, you were a bad girl, don't do it again. He's saying, you were broken and destroyed, and I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to heal you. And I'm here to turn the light on. And you know how I know that? Because the very next verse, he starts teaching and says, I am the light of the world. And when you put it and you start to understand it, folks, why was this woman caught in adultery? Why was she fooling around, hanging out with some married guy? Why was she doing this? Why was this, why was this, you know, this is early morning. What, 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 you know, she, she crazy. What's going on here, right? Listen, the, the darkness when we are walking in the darkness, we're tempted in three ways. The, the first way that we're tempted is with pleasure. And I just wonder, was, was this lady tempted with pleasure? Maybe not the pleasure of sex, but the pleasure of a relationship. The pleasure of, will I get caught? Uh, and all those type of things that, that are in this, the, this adulterous relationship, right? So she's, you know, was she tempted by pleasure? We're all tempted by pleasure. And when we're walking in darkness, we can't see what real pleasure is because the lights are off. Was she tempted by power? Oh, man, women have a lot of power on men, don't you? Women, you have, you're in a relationship, you have a power on men, you know? And, and, and there's, there's power there. And all, all of us, we are tempted with the power of relationship, with the power of anything. You give, you give power to a man, he loses his mind. I think power is an incredible temptation. How about possessions? Could she have been tempted like, I just need the security to know that I'm going to be taken care of? If I keep sleeping with this guy, he's going to take care of me? Oh, yeah, he's got a wife, but maybe he'll keep giving me money and, and keep paying my rent and keep taking care of me. Was she tempted by these ways? I'll tell you what, we're all tempted by these ways. We're tempted by pleasure. We're tempted by power. We're tempted by possessions. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with pleasure, is there? There's nothing wrong with power. There's nothing wrong with possessions. We need all of these. But let me show you, when the lights are turned on, on pleasure, when the lights are turned on on pleasure, look what God says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. He says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Folks, being a Christian, you don't have to be miserable. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to be miserable. Look at them. Just tell it. Husbands, easier on your wives, okay? Wives, husbands, easier on your husbands, right? You don't have to be miserable, okay? And here's why. Following Christ does not mean that I have become this person and I'm a robot and I will never do anything and have any fun. Man, I have the most fun. Pleasure, delight yourself in the Lord. It's like the word from an ice cream cone. After you've eaten an ice cream cone, delight Delight yourself in the Lord. Man, after I eat an ice cream cone, I'll tell you what, it's like a high, isn't it? You know, some of you get that after broccoli. I'll, I'll pray for you. Okay? But like most of us get that from ice cream. And it's just like, yeah, 
And it ain't gluten-free, nothing free. It's good, all right? Just loaded with fat, right? So you eat that ice cream, it's like, yeah! See, it's an action. And as, as I participate in this relationship with God, he says that he'll give me the desires of the heart. So what that means is as I make him my joy, as I start having fun in him, man, I have more fun in this church than anybody does anywhere outside of here. Man, when you are having that kind of fun, he says, delight yourself in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you. He will make those desires. He'll give you the desires, and then he fulfills them. How about power? Look at this power. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. It's the word dunamis. It's dynamite. You'll receive my power and, and so that you'll be my witnesses until the ends of the world. You'll be my witnesses into Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost part of the world. He says that you will have my power. Folks, when you get to share Jesus, you will have power. There is nothing more exciting than the power that comes from Jesus. I'm telling you, you will be so excited because there's power. It's not your power. It's the power that comes from on high. I've been asking you to pray about who's your one. Man, you know what? God's doing something in, in this church. I'm hearing people talk about their one. Uh, we're praying, our staff prayed for people this week, and, and you know what, God's giving our people power, and they're going out because I'll give you power to be my witnesses, to testify about who I am, and people are just getting so excited, and once you taste the power of God, you'll never need the power of the world. You need the power of God. It's powerful. How about possessions? Uh, we, we all struggle, and we worry about possessions, man. Uh, how much time do we waste in worrying about our possessions? God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Everything that you need, he'll take care of you. It doesn't mean that you'll drive the car you desire. It doesn't mean that your bank account will be at the level that you desire. It means that he will be your dad, and you will be his child, and he will take care of you. And that's what God does. And so God is, th this is who he's called us to be. And so when the lights are on, it changes everything. You see, the light reveals our hope. When we have light, God, Jesus is the light of the world. And he said, when he said that, it revealed the hope. John 8, 12, the very next verse, in light of what he just said to this woman, he says, and Jesus spoke again saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know what he became for that woman? He became the light of her world that moment. And I want to ask you today, that was the most darkest hour for that lady. She's standing there with the sheet on, humiliated, destroyed. It's guilt-ridden everywhere. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Jesus was the only one who had the right to pick up a stone. He was the only one without sin. He didn't pick up a stone. He picked up grace, and he gave it to her. And he revealed hope. And then he continues on. If you read the chapter, you'll see he continues on. And he talks about how that he is God. He talks about how the light reveals itself. They said, are you bearing witness to yourself? Because in the temple, you're not allowed to bear witness to yourself. He goes, the light bears witness to itself. I am the light of the world. And so he comes and, and they have this discussion about how can you be God? And he says, I am from God. And basically he's saying, I am the father of one. And you're hearing that this Jesus is God. And it says in verse 30 that there were many that day who became followers of Jesus. Why? Because he turned the lights on. He made the path. He took away the guilt. He took away the shame. Over in John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Folks, we have such a powerful thing, a relationship with God. He's put you in the light. And, and then the last thing in your notes is this. We get to shine the light. We get to shine the light. You know, when you look at the moon at night, I want you to remember that that moon is a reflection. You, you see, the, see the sun that has come on the moon, and it reflects down to us. And it's, it, it's powerful what, what, when we see that reflection. But you are even more powerful than that, for the light lives within you. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, he lives within you, and the light shines. And, and look what he says here. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, he will let your light shine 
before others. Oh, that's so powerful. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, listen, works don't get us to heaven. You can't be good enough. That's what the law revealed, that we are guilty. But Jesus come with his grace, and he gives you light, and now he says that you are the light. You get to go out in the community. And how do we be the light? We get to be the light by our attitude, folks. Oh, man, I want, I want us to go out and change the world by our attitude. The, the rest of the world doesn't have the light uh, that we have, and we get to give it by our attitude, uh, by our actions. There's three ways here, okay? The light in our attitude. The light in our actions. And, and you can, listen, when you go out and you do something positive in our world, uh, you know, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been encouraging a few people in our church. They're out there and they're making a difference. I was with uh, one of our good guys. He's Rick Lawson. He's a township supervisor. And he goes out and he volunteers his time to serve our community. And I go down there and I'll tell you what, he's got an attitude that's incredible. He, he changes the whole room. He lights up the room with his attitude. He's not sitting there in grumpiness and despair and this is so bad. Listen, he lights it up. He changes his world. He's making a difference in our township by just his attitude. His actions, I see him go and he volunteers and helps people in our community. And then generosity, you get to be the light with our generosity. I've seen people in our church go out, go out of their way for their neighbors. You know, the next time, you know, hopefully we're going to get some warm weather here in the next year. All right. I want you to go out. When you're flipping a burger on the grill, I want to challenge you. Make two extra burgers and take them to your neighbor. And just watch what God does. Just two extra burgers. And, and you throw them on the, on the grill and you take them over. You know, just your luck, they'll be vegan or something like that, right? So take a veggie burger too, right? So anyhow, you're going to go over and you're going to do something kind. And you throw these burgers on the grill and you give to your neighbor. You see, our attitude is not the attitude of the world. People are attracted to who we are because the light is shining through us. People are attracted because our actions, our attitude, and our generosity. And I want to encourage you because Ephesians 5.8, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, for at one time you were darkness. You were darkness. Do you remember your life like that? Do you remember when your life was all the way out here? You remember when you were in the darkness? He says, at one time you were darkness. He says, now, now you're light. He says, walk as children of the light. And here's what happens, folks. Sometimes we walk in darkness. And we cannot walk in darkness. You'll see the kids coming in for the baptism. We cannot continue to walk in darkness if you want to have the light of the life. God has called us to walk over here into the light. And I want to encourage you this morning as we close our service, who's your one? Thank God. Can we just thank God for our kids? Isn't this awesome? Let's, let's give them a round of applause, man. When we have a baptism, we like to get them in here, and this is wonderful, man. These kids love God, and we want them to see what God's doing. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, who's your one this morning? Who's your one? You know, a lady came last night, and she said, last week I came, it was my first time, and God spoke to me, and God's changing my life. She said, and when you got down to the end of the service, you asked, who's your one? And she goes, all I could think of was my friend who I was sitting next with. I'm her one. I'm her one. I'm the answer to her prayer. And I came last Sunday, and she came last night. And she said, my life is being changed here. God is doing something radical in my life. And, and she wants to walk in the light, and God is transforming people's lives. But here's what's happened, folks. As believers, we get down, we get miserable, our attitude, our actions, our, and we get worried. And then pretty soon we find ourselves over here in the darkness, and God says, I want you to walk in the light. 
I want you to bring other people into the light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot take away the light. You cannot take God's light away. And he says, don't come out here and stumble around and keep finding your pleasure over here. Come over here and find your pleasure because God has it. And it's better than anything you'll stumble on out there. Who's your one? Who will you shine the light on? Who will you bring with you? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you if you are walking in the light, have you opened your heart to Jesus? Have you opened your heart to Jesus yet and and received him as your personal Savior? Uh, Just before we have a baptism this morning, baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room this morning, if you would make a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, just invite him into your life this morning and, uh, and ask him to be your Lord. And just pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I need a Savior. Your law has revealed that I'm guilty. But today I accept your grace. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross and paying for my sin. I invite you into my life right here, right now. God, I pray you'll be with each person in this room who just opened their heart to you. Lord, I pray that you'll be with each person as they make decisions. Lord, some of us, we're following Christ. We're in the light, but we've stepped out. We've been walking in darkness, and it's cold out there, God. I pray this morning will be a revival. You bring our people, bring me, bring all of us back into that light that we will never walk in darkness. As long as we follow you, we'll never be in darkness. We'll never be out in the cold. We'll never be stumbling around. We'll be there in your light. With our heads bowed and eyes closed as the people come into the baptistry and prepare for the baptism, I'm just going to ask you to meet with the Lord this morning.